1: From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long.
0: It's August 4th, 2017. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza, And I'm Scott Long. The audio is a little better this week.
2: Audio is better this week. I didn't forget about the show. We're, we're off uh, after the races here. Let's see. Uh, maybe I can mangle a couple of words and names and stuff and make up for it.
0: I think we've mastered this thing. We should quit while we're ahead. <laughs> Although I do hear, like, do I hear, like, traffic back there or something? What do
2: well, I hear? It's, it's the AC unit here. It's been driving oh, me crazy. man. Because when it's going on, then I have to turn the volume on the TV up to 14 to hear uh, CNN. And then when it goes off, then I have to turn it back down to 7. <laughs> so it'll like, go uh, off at some point during the show and then probably come back on during the show so
0: it's like the big bang episode when sheldon finally gets his own office and then the air conditioning is so powerful he can't he can't stand it it's so loud i can hear exactly it Jeez.
2: yeah so everybody at home is just going to turn the volume up while the air conditioning is going and then <laughs> turn it down when it goes out. so it's easy i've been doing it all week it's it's not that big a deal really
0: so speaking <laughs> of all week where have you been all week
2: Yes, once again, I'm coming to you live from the Antioch World Championship out here at Thunder Valley Casino Resort in Lincoln, California. And, uh, you know, last week I told you it was, we started off with a bang, 1,588 entries in the first event and um, big crowds for Omaha even. And uh, that is, I'm happy to report Chris, is not wavered at all. Tuesday, every single table in the poker room was taken, even though there was cash games or tournaments of some sort and um and entries continue to be up um you know we even had 70 for horse this year usually we get 40 or 50 for horse so wow phenomenal even those events that you know are really kind of tough to get in but it's nice that we put them on the schedule just uh, for folks like me that can't play them and hold them (laughs) (laughs) it's nice to see the people showing up and playing them um and and even people that don't know how to play horse and we'll talk about that a little bit later (laughs) what are playing it so uh so that's been really good um and one of the reasons I think um, is that they have a really killer player of the series race here going on. Now uh, Director of Poker Ben Irwin is really smart. He, every year he always finds some new way to make this event a little bit better. And they did a player of the series last year, but it was just for a um, a main event seat, which is you know again a phenomenal pri- a prize sixteen hundred fifty dollars. This year he wanted to make it a little bit better. So this year, first place gets a main event seat and a night in the hotel. Uh, second place gets $200 high stakes credit at the great steakhouse that I love here. Plus one night hotel. And third gets gets $100 for Red Lantern, the amazing Asian restaurant here.
0: Red Lantern? In uh, one night. What's Red fu- Lantern. Okay, you dropped off for a second. Red Lantern. Okay, cool.
2: Red Lantern, sorry. <clears> oh, <throat> uh, and there's a number of people that are telling us that once they realize this, and, and they, you know, they cashed once and started getting some points and heard about it, that they decided to stick around for the whole week rather than, you know, leave and come back on the weekend. Um, so that's helped uh, get the numbers up a little bit as well too, and, and certainly obviously generate a lot more revenue for our great partner here at Thunder Valley. So. Um, people are really excited about this Player of the Year race, uh, series race, and uh, they did some interesting things this year too. Um, I, and one of them that came out of the Poker TDA Summit this year was, uh, and Ben reached over and, and was talking to me about it during TDA. He's like, "Hey, when people do chops now, we're not prorating the points or anything. If you chop and say there's four of you at the end of the series, all of you get fourth place points now. So now there's a little bit more of an incentive to play it out if you are." If the points mean something to you right wow, fourth place, yeah, and he's like, you know why, why are we giving people first place prize when they didn't win first place um so um, so that's an interesting wrinkle going on here and then plus they added a little bonus so every I think every time you you get your second an uh, additional cash you get an extra ten bonus points so um, two things to really encourage you to play more play longer here um, to, to get that prize, so
0: smart very smart. <laughs>
2: Um, all right, so my play has not been great this week, Chris. Aww. You know, I always do really well here and uh, it's just been tough. You know, while I'm like, I spent Saturday, Sunday playing Omaha 8 Cash all the time because that used to be an ATM for me this year. This year, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll get back there and try it again and, and, and try to make this a, a, a positive trip. i um, uh, played three tournaments right now. So the horse tournament was uh, the first one. And um, and Ben put a $100 high-stakes gift certificate uh, bounty on my head, which is always a problem, right? It's fun for the event, but it's always a problem because now people are coming for you. makes it a little bit harder to make moves. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, even though he announced it 100 times, once I got knocked out, I told the guy that he got a bounty interview at the table. He was like, no, the bounty term is last night, Scott. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> he gets a bounty. So it didn't work against me, which is great. And then uh, the, uh, the winner got a $100 gift certificate that he didn't know about. And then um, they also put a bounty on uh, Tyler Patterson, which is the room ambassador here, great player that has a World Series bracelet and a WPT title. Super awesome uh, guy, too, by the way. Um, And the same guy that knocked me out, knocked him out. So he got $200 at the steakhouse. Jeez, jeez. He'll be able to get steak and wine now. (laughs) Man. Um, But it was really frustrating because I I spent all week playing Omaha 8 and uh, um, really, hey, the air conditioning's off. (laughs) Yeah. but all week uh, uh playing omaha eight and uh really focused on not making uh bad decisions which you know seems kind of weird that's what you always want to do right but right sometimes you get bored and your mind wanders and i think i told people um about a year ago they installed uh the little usb chargers at all the stations here or all the uh, seats so now you can plug in your phone or your tablet and use the wi-fi and i sat there and just put my headphones on and watch TV, and that way I'm focused on playing good hands and not, you know, getting bored and splashing around with two pair of hands and stuff like that. Right. Um, so, uh, so, you know, I was frustrated that it uh, didn't work out in cash, so I woke up next morning, I'm like, I'm going to play this horse tournament I'm like I've never played a tournament in my life. And I did... And it just didn't work out. I really, you know, when you go back and look through the whole, I mean, obviously I didn't short my hands. I'm not Gus Hansen or anything, but I really couldn't point to a single mistake I made. It's just the reality of these uh, horse tournaments is once you get to like level six or seven or so, um, at that point you have to pick up a hand. It doesn't matter how good you are, you have to pick up a hand and you have to win. Um, And usually what kills people is Raz, because you'll start with three babies rolled up, or three babies, and then... (laughs) <laughs> brick 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 yeah and then your stack's gone um so i went the complete round of games not a round of the clock but a complete five games without getting a hand to play or a steal opportunity that made sense because obviously you can't wait for cards all the time right but right. and then uh then i got it all in with uh it was um stud eight and i had buried kings and i'm like all right i'm gonna go to mat with this had one guy go all the way in with me, and uh, he was going for a low, and I told him, like, before the last two cards come out, I'll give you the low. You can have the low. <laughs> this will take my high. And his last card was a low, but it paired and gave him fours and trays. So he didn't get a low, but he, uh, he beat my king. So oh, jeez. You know, Talk about a way to go out. That's, you know, you love study. I love study, too. But it, it's almost more vicious than Raz, I think, in that situation. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm like, all right. You know, I, so, hey, low card comp. Great. Here we'll stop it up. Nope. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then yesterday was the PLO eight tournament, and again I played really well. I had um, uh, I didn't use any of my rebuy chips, so I got to, got to cash those in at the break for for ten thousand chips, and um, built my stack up for a while, and then um, bam, just I at one point you have to make a move. You know you can't wait the the whittle your chips down, and I made a move with a suit of ace. And I was ahead all the way until the river. <laughs> and, oh. uh, again, it was not a low, it was a guy who was going for low and ended up uh beating me on the, the high. Same thing? Same thing, two tournaments. Oh. The two tournaments. Brutal. So frustrating, but you know, again, I can't be too frustrated when I um when I really do believe I played really well. So, you know, you know, get me upset. But it's different when you can look back and I'm like, Oh my god, I can't believe I you know, made that move in Raz with you know buried kings, and that cost me a turn.
0: Don't move on yet. I want to ask you some things. When, um, when you were talking about the cash games, right, the Omaha eight that you like to play, yeah. And then you have you have your iPad there or your or whatever it is you, you you're watching TV on and stuff. Do you feel like I know you're you're making yourself disciplined that way by playing just the right ha- hands or whatever? But are you? In any way, are you suffering by not paying attention to everything and everyone that's going on? And maybe this is
2: hilarious. I'm glad you brought this up. Well, I'm okay. not glad you, but it's interesting you brought it up because I was thinking about this yesterday. Because you know, uh, I think there is a case to be made for what you're saying, but I also think there's a case to be made that um, you have to know you and you have to do the best thing for you, right? So none of us are perfect poker players. Um, so, again, this is what goes back to when you, you're you getting advice. You know, you're reading a book or you're watching um, – uh, you're doing some kind of training site. Those people are giving you advice that works for them, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have to figure out which of that advice actually you can do. Um, now, if you are the best player in the world, you will find a way to do what those people are telling you to do, <laughs> Uh, but you also have to know yourself. So um, so what I've decided is that I'm more at risk of playing sloppy by not distracting myself with something else that would allow me to, to splash around than I am by missing out on whatever I'm observing at the table. Okay. Now, if I'm at a – I would argue if I'm at a 10-20 Omaha game – uh, I am going to sit there and, and watch the players because I think it's a little bit more important. The typical four-eight Omaha player, I don't think I'm missing out on too much there. I mean, obviously, when I'm in a hand, I'm realizing, you know, the the woman in the three seat is in every single hand, so I know that even though I'm not watching every hand that I'm not in, Because right. every hand, I mean, she's in, right? Um, so you're still picking up some stuff. But yeah, I would agree. You know, obviously, I was missing there were obviously probably things i was missing at the table by not just laser focusing on the entire meta game going on um but i've decided on balance um and this is the first time i really had a losing uh session since i've done this um that it's better for me to to focus on watching my tv and and not being distracted by oh okay i'm gonna i got deuce tray maybe an ace will come and play those kind of hands that always get you in trouble.
0: Okay. Yeah, I was just curious because, especially at 4 8 level, which is probably the lowest level they're offering, you know, you might got people who are just totally displaying their tells that they're not interested in the hand on the left of you, so you could raise and take blinds or, you know, just little subtle things that you might be well, missing. No, I, I will TV. say,
2: once, once the cards come out, I, I'm pausing and I'm watching. Okay. So it's not it. Took, it's my turn, and then I look down at my cards and then decide. So, once. You know, once the cards start coming out, I pause, and then, bam. If I look at my hand and decide it's not anything I can play, and obviously I'm still um, cognizant of the steal opportunities or if there's something that happens that makes me uh, want to play that hand that I shouldn't have. But, um, but what I am missing is just watching. You know, Once once I decide to fold, I'm out until the next hand. So okay. that's what I'm
0: missing. Gotcha.
2: If there is information to miss, don't worry about uh, well, I did have one tournament success this week, Chris, and uh, Tuesday night was the satellite for the Heads Up Championship, and I always like the Heads Up Championship here because almost no one does one. Um, and last year, I made the Sweet 16, by the way, um, so this year, hopefully cash, um, so that's this morning, so about uh, about an hour after we finish the show, I'll be down there playing Heads Up, uh, but it's a $400 buy-in, so again, it's a little bit bigger buy-in than I normally do. So Tuesday, I played the satellite. It was $115 satellite with four seats guaranteed. So uh, real quick, one funny thing is I go down there like 10 minutes before it starts to register, and nobody at the podium knows anything about it. I'm like, oh, gosh. And then I see Ben, and I'm like, hey, isn't the hot up satellite tonight? And he's like, no, Scott, it's tomorrow night. I'm like, oh, gosh, I can't believe I misread my own schedule. Huh. So I go to my hotel room, get ready to go to see a movie or something, and then I get a text from Hey, Scott, I'm sorry. It was my fault. I'm wrong. <laughs> get on down here. We're going to do a tournament. So I ended up starting like 40 minutes late, and we started with six people. And they and now, still guaranteed four? Four seats guaranteed, right? So I'm like, this is going to be the best thing ever. Now, obviously, when we sat down, um, I knew there wasn't going to be just six people. I mean, people you can still register up through the first break. So you had about an hour, 15 minutes, I think, to get in on this thing. Um, and it, it's a reentry satellite, too. So if you get knocked out, you can get back in. And we're talking, again, a 400-hour seat. So with four seats guaranteed, it's – kind of makes sense for people that get knocked out early to get back in and, and take $230 shot at a $400 yeah. seat. Yeah. So we, we knew there were going to be more. I knew that, well, I shouldn't say we, anyway, I wasn't talking about it, but I knew there was going to be more people, but I also didn't think that it was ever going to break into more than one table. So, um, so this is what I want to ask. I'm putting you a little bit on the spot here because I had a little bit more time to think about it. But, um, so knowing, knowing what I know here, what I, how I described it, Chris, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, buy-in, four seats guaranteed no matter how many players, probably never going to be more than one table, but will be more than the six people signing up, or the six people that started it. Right. What kind of strategy do you have for this?
0: I'm not aggressive. Uh, I don't think I'd be aggressive in that point, because I'm sort of cheap. If I'm getting in this satellite for a reason, I really don't want to go bust once and then buy in again. And then after that, it's like, okay, I'm saving 50%, but two buy-ins and nothing to show for it, you know, I don't want to do that. So I really want to just do this one buy-in and really take advantage of the fact that I just have to survive three people, really, if you think one re-enters or two re-enters or whatever, or even six people for a full table of ten. I don't think I'm going to be aggressive, especially because, here's why, if I'm not willing to rebuy again and again, but these guys are, being aggressive with them is not going to work because they don't care. They're going to say, you know what? I got a free at least two more times or I'm still going to get a bargain on this tournament if I lose here. I can still rebuy and still be at one table with the same players and those same chips will still be at the table. So if you want to get aggressive in their face, I I mean, it, it could work in your favor, but it could also backfire. I've played plenty of poker with people who don't care about their chips, like free money sites. And believe me, you lose all the time when you get it all in good because they just don't care. So in a situation like that, I don't want to be too aggressive with them because they're going to take they're going to take a lot of flops where they know they can take a chance and it doesn't matter to them, but it does to you and they you try to put them on a hand that makes sense to you, but it really they don't they could be playing any two cards and it's hard to play that way against them. So I think I'm still going to be pretty tight where I'm hoping that my hand is is so strong that even if they are playing, they're going to, you know, crazy, they're going to need to hit pretty solidly to beat me. I think I would. I think I would try to go under the radar for a while. I don't know if it's the right strategy, but with people playing loose around me, I always feel like you have to do the opposite. So, if I think that's what they're going to do. I feel like I need to tighten up a little bit in this and just survive.
2: Exactly, right? I think. Uh, no, I, I think after two you, I think you're right. There's probably another strategy. Their other strategy is, if you don't mind peeling off another buy-in or even two buy-ins as you mentioned is still positive ev at that point you you probably could play an aggressive game thinking that everybody else is playing a passive game but i sat there and i looked at the size of up and i'm like I, I, i'm a doctor right now i'm doing the hippocratic oath strategy here right <laughs> <laughs> doing no harm whatsoever and i'm just gonna survive this thing out and at some point if i have to get aggressive then i will but at this point it, it, it's just an attrition thing right yeah. you know people out and then I, that gets me closer and and i just have to make it to the final four and right now there's only six i don't know how many they're eventually going to be in there so it ended up being 15 so it almost almost wasn't any positive ev uh, so 15 entries uh, i think uh three or four people fired two bullets no one fired three bullets so the rest were new people coming in chris i played seven hands and won the seat holy cow Seven hands was all I I, I put money in. <laughs> wow, not blind, I mean the big blind, but you know, seven hands where I voluntarily put money in the pot. Wow, it was amazing. I really am like you know I'm not trying to toot my horn too much, but I'm like I think I really sized up the situation, and I was very patient and just let people be aggressive and knock each other out, and just sat there and I and of all those hands, I think the first three were um either I completed a small blind once and I limped with a uh limped on the button and limped on the cutoff and then folded at the first bet on the flop. Wow. So I was in position and then uh and then the last four raw all-ins and of those seven I was only at risk in one of them. Wow,
0: that's crazy.
2: <laughs> and I knocked three people out. It was also <laughs> Holy cow. I never a big stack obviously right because i wasn't chipping up at all so i just got it in and, and opportunities where people with smaller stacks were in and you know my hand held up um but really i, I got done with that and i'm like man <laughs> that was uh that was a thing of beauty and you know i was talking um yesterday uh, with one of our listeners randy who I always get together with out here for a cigar and i was telling him how much i miss sit and goes now after watching that because it really that's what it was i mean it ended up being 15 entries but it was always one table. and never broke into two tables, right? Yeah. And again, the, the whole one table strategy – it's called one table because it's a uh, strategy. Is It's it's less about cards and more about sizing up the situation and making the right moves during the situation. Um, and I just have always been better at that. I mean online I, I did really well in sit-and-goes and I missed – really missed those being gone. And then I used to – you know, in Florida before the lost change, we used to have sit-and-goes all the time. I used to do really well those. I missed those. We don't even get sit-and-goes going on the cruises anymore. I used to do well. Yeah. So really do miss it. So it was actually kind of really fun, not just because I got my seat, but it was really kind of fun to play a kind of a modified sit-and-go again for the first time in years. Um, So talking about strategy, um, uh, one thing at the end that I thought was really interesting, um, we had five – I'm sorry, six players left. Six players left. Remember, four seats mm-hmm. uh, guaranteed. Right. Um, the chip leader made a raise, and the guy who I believe was second in chips, he might have been third in chips, but a decent chip stack, tangled with him, and they ended up getting it all in. Neither one of them had a premium hand. Wow. And I look at that, I'm like, say, what? And, of course, the, the guy with the fewer chips got knocked out, so now, now we're one, one away from the uh, money, so I'm ecstatic about it. But I'm like, I, I don't understand. I mean, why would you get involved in that kind of situation without a premium hand at that point?
0: Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, we talk uh, about super satellites where people have aces and fold and preflop because they're right near the money. Right? Yeah.
2: It's it's really just, again, it's constantly sizing up the, the math going on. And it, again, it has very little to do with the card, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised that neither one of them turned over a premium hand. But um, it just didn't make sense. So let me add to this that when that guy was knocked out and we had 5 now the next player was all in in the small blind oh,
0: so you going probably lose somebody anyway you
2: know, i don't know whether that that guy that got knocked out in the hand before didn't realize how small his chip stack was and if so that's a huge problem when you are six-handed in a sit and go with four seats paying not three but four yeah you need to be cognizant of whatever base chip stack is at all times i think right no matter how many chips you have um so it, that made it even make less sense at that point, right?
0: Yeah.
2: Wow. So um, for me, I'm sitting there. As soon as I got yeah, knocked out, and I knew this was going on. I'm like, this is golden now. Now we have one more hand. We can knock this guy out on the next hand. And here's the one mistake I made. And it's really funny because it ended up becoming in this etiquette discussion that we had at, at, at during the event. Um, so, all right. So the next hand, the guy is all in in the small blind. Uh, I am under the gun. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, gosh, you know – if we were allowed to openly collude, what we would all say is, let's all limp in, and now we have he has five hands he has to beat. Because if he gets knocked out, we all win, right?
0: Yeah.
2: But we can't openly collude. <laughs> so what do I do? I fold. <laughs> <laughs> with a king, a like king five or something like that. And I fold, and as soon as I did, I'm like, God, Scott, you're an idiot. I mean, you don't have to collude with anybody else, but you can put your $2,000 in or whatever and hope everybody else does it and see how it works out. So the next person folded and then the chip leader folded. (laughs) So we left it all up to the big blind who couldn't do anything at that point because the small blind's all in. And fortunately the big blind ended up winning the hand and knocking the man and we all won. But I'm like, none of us picked up on that. So here's the etiquette discussion that's interesting. So after the big blind folded, I mean, I'm sorry, the the chip leader folded, the big blind screamed across the table. Why would you do that? i he, he's all in. And the chip leader didn't realize it. So no one at the table was paying attention to chip stacks, which probably made it easier for me to actually get my seat in this, right? Yeah. But the small blind rightfully said, hey, man, don't be, you can't be saying that. Yeah. And the big blind was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Not until the end of the hand. He's like, no, not until the end of the tournament. And then they had the back and forth while the cards are being put out, and eventually got knocked out. So it ended up being a moot point. But that's an interesting discussion, I think, right?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely wrong. He's
2: right, it has yeah. nothing to do with the hand. It's yeah. now you're telling people a strategy for knocking out a short stack that people can use. That's still collusion, even if it's not involved in that particular hand, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, that's wrong. He should never.
2: Say. So they ended up, you know, kind of kissing and making up, and you know, having an agreement that it was wrong. But you know, in the in the spirit of the moment, I think I think that big blind there realized what I saw. And then none of us did it, and he was probably flabbergasted at all of us, as he should have been.
0: But Yeah, yeah, that's wrong. Wow. I tell you, now uh, the guy who got knocked out in fifth or whatever, fourth, sixth, it's like, well, oh, you really can't fault him because nobody was paying attention to the small blind, it seems. Yeah, exactly. The eventual yeah. small blind, you know. Wow.
2: And both of those last players were double buy-ins, too, so it's interesting that they... Got that far and got nothing and out of it. are $200 instead of one. And I believe, uh, no, the, the chip leader actually was a double buy-in, too. But the other three of us that, that got in were Singles. Um, all single buys. And uh, the one woman that got in was the last one in. She was an alternate because they weren't going to open a second table. So she had to wait for somebody to knock out and not rebuy. She bought in with ten big blinds and made it.
0: Wow. Kind of crazy. Well, yeah, if you made it with plain seven hands, I can see that table's kind <laughs> of bizarre. <laughs> Um. so what do you get you should sell your lammer for like 600 and get all your money back
2: <laughs> yeah right yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no I'm sure I'm sure I'll get nothing out of those heads up but although last year I got the sweet 16 so who knows maybe I'll get lucky you know if I, I got to always draw by in the first round and then be that much closer to the money mm, um, good luck. But, but I enjoy playing the heads up so take it down. Um, and then one last thing before we move on um, so I think I was, t- I was texting you during the, the horse tournament about this and I think everybody at the table was texting their friends too <laughs> The 11 a.m. tournament, and on the very first hand, Chris, this guy falls asleep. <laughs> the first, the first hand, first hand, and and he he kept falling asleep, and I don't think it was he was tired. He, he was an older gentleman, so I'm not trying to make too much fun of him here, um, but obviously it was it was frustrating for those of us playing. Because not only did he fall asleep almost every single hand, he also didn't know what he was doing in any of the games. So, I mean, it was almost frustrating that he even entered the tournament um, with both of these things going on. And the, and the one guy next to him, was like, man, I was playing the bounty tournament till 3 a.m. last night, and I'm awake <laughs> this guy. <laughs> um, but the reason I decided to put it on the show was um, I had a couple discussions with the tournament director and, um, and, and Ben, the director, afterwards, because the tournament director came over at one point and told the gentleman, hey, I, I can't have you falling asleep at the table. Um, he's like, do you need me to get you a cup of coffee or something? And then the guy was like, oh, no, no, I'm fine. Of course, and then fell asleep as soon as he walked away, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, but I don't know. I mean I thought this was an interesting from an operator standpoint. What do you do when someone keeps falling asleep? So there would be a discussion about whether they give, should give him a penalty, a one-round penalty if he kept falling asleep. But then they were worried that then he was going to fall asleep asleep. <laughs> You know, and you're in the middle of the hand. and People keep not waking you up, so you have a better chance of waking up. And by the end of the tournament, when he got knocked out, he wasn't long sleep anymore. So maybe he was tired. I thought it was more of kind of a condition thing, but um, but that's tough, you know, because you know our table obviously was at a disadvantage this entire tournament because we weren't getting anywhere near as many hands in. So, I mean, what what level of responsibility does a tournament um, director have for the play of other people? And obviously he recognized that by knocking uh, and tapping on his shoulder and telling him he has to stay awake. But if the guy keeps falling asleep, I don't know what you do. I, I, think, there's, I think that's a good point. If you give him a penalty, penalty and he falls asleep, I mean, I guess some people would say, hey, he's just sleeping in that chair until he wakes up. He'll come back and play. Um, or is it more responsible to not give him a penalty and take him out and hope that he just finds a way to wake himself up?
0: Well, I uh, I would try two things. One, I would take like a piece of twine or string and tie it really tightly around his finger because then it would throb and he couldn't fall asleep. Like They'd make you wear tight shoes so you don't fall asleep. you know. So I would try that. And if that didn't work, I would say to him, okay, I'd wake him up once and I'd say, look, if you fall asleep, I'm giving you a 10-minute penalty, and you can sleep all you want for those 10 minutes, but they're not going to deal you in. Sit in the chair or whatever. And then when the 10 minutes are over, if you haven't woken up, we're going to give you a 30 minute penalty. And if you still haven't woken up, then you're out of the tournament. So, yeah, so I'm wondering, something like is that. Is there
2: a scenario where we can remove somebody from the tournament from sleeping?
0: I think so, because they're not following the rules. They're not playing their hands. They're not staying awake. They're, they're under got an obligation to play according to the rules. And the rules are, you act on your hand when it's your turn. If you're not acting, you're not there. It's as if you walked away. So I think you can eliminate somebody after warnings. I'm sorry you're sleeping. I don't know if it's a condition or if you're tired, but we have I have the business of nine sitting around you, and you have, you're you a one. So uh, in the uh, words of uh, Spock and whatever the, the needs of the few far outweigh the needs of the one or whatever the hell it is, so I'm sorry that we're going to hurt this one guy, and it may hurt our business for one guy, but he's breaking the rules by not playing his hands when it's his turn. I have to penalize him. I can't just keep nudging him, and that's what I would do. I'm not, I wouldn't be mean about it. I'd be very, very nice about it, and I'd be real, have a lot of empathy for whatever his situation is. But in this case, I just can't. I can't let this guy just keep sleeping, and I have an aggravating eight or nine other people. I mean, it's a horse tournament. so I don't know how many I guess he had. Eight at the table, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, so, yeah. Nine. So I mean, I, I would, I would be nice about it, but I would give him a warning, and then let him sleep there. But uh, you know, just not deal him in. For the ten-minute penalty, when the ten-minute penalty was over, he's still not awake. Then now it's a half an hour or whatever the rules are for, con- ex you know, uh, continuing the penalties, and then eventually he just oust him out of the tournament and just take his chips. And then when he wakes up and says, "Where are my chips?" say, "Oh, they're gone. You lost them all in. You don't remember, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. you know, or something. I don't know, but you gotta yeah. explain it to him."
2: Yeah. Well, so, all right. Well, it was interesting. Right. Um, so always something new
0: <laughs> aim- the end of World Championship. How far did you go so, in the so horse time- tournament, by the way?
2: Oh, I finished uh, thirty thirty first out of seventy. Okay. So, and the PLO, I just missed the redraw. So, okay. made it through half the field in both of them. But hopefully, I make it through more than half the field in the heads up today. I have yeah. something to show for this trip, yeah. other than funny stories. So. <laughs> um, but if folks still want to come out, again, the main event starts uh, tomorrow, which is Friday. Uh, Sixteen hundred fifty buy-in. The winner gets on the uh, cover of Andy Up Magazine. Um, and Of course, the Heads Up Championship starting here in an hour, so you're probably not going to miss that. <laughs> but, uh, but a bunch of other uh, – there's a couple other no-limit tournaments this weekend as well too. And you can get all the information at antiupmagazinecom slash worldchampionship. Excellent. Uh, um, now in an interview with Global Game Business Magazine, Chris Dave Rebuck, New Jersey's Director of Gaming Enforcement, explained the hurdles he has had with m- making shared player liquidity with Nevada and overseas poker sites. New Jersey receives 90% of its online revenue from casino games other than poker. So until Nevada allows all games to be played online, he doesn't see an agreement being reached there. And overseas operators have balked at the requirement that servers be physically located in Atlantic City, so unless the New Jersey legislature makes a change to that requirement, it's doubtful to state can merge its player base with the world.
0: Uh, I, don't, I don't know what to think about this. One, why are they balking at that? What do they care? Because they think they're going to be tampering with it? I, that part I don't understand. The other stuff, maybe because, yeah, there's a more complete... Uh, operation in one end and not the other end—that they think they might be getting slighted somehow. I don't know, but I don't know. I don't know what to think about this. It didn't seem like well, it would be that difficult.
2: Yeah, it was a little unclear who actually was balking here. I'm going to guess it's Nevada because it, put yourself in the situation of Nevada, right? If you're only allowed to play poker online in Nevada, um, the casinos there, the brick and mortar casinos there, uh, have a legitimate beef with players being able to go online and play casino games that don't benefit them right mm-hmm. so i i see how that i see how that, that that discussion is going that it needs to be on an equal playing field that way people can decide now if they get on you know if they want to play poker with a quote-unquote nevada site or play blackjack with a quote-unquote nevada site um that it's it's an equal footing but without it being equal footing i get that um and then obviously the other thing is you know uh I can't really fault the New Jersey legislature here. I mean, the reason that they allowed online poker was to benefit New Jersey, mm-hmm. so therefore didn't want that money going overseas. So that's why they made the servers have to be located in Atlantic City. Um, so you know, uh, and obviously if I'm a Poker Stars or one of these other sites, um, well, Poker Stars is a bad example because they they have an agreement there, but one of these other online sites. I mean, I'm not <laughs> going to pick up my. My uh, servers and put them in Atlantic City just so I could pick up those small amount of people in New Jersey. Right when I got the whole world going on, so um, you know I, I don't think anybody's really to blame for any of this. It's just kind of the reality of the situation. And until we can get um, poker regulated nationwide, that these are going to continue to be the frustrations that we
0: have. Yeah, that 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 sucks. Red tape is is very difficult when you're trying to share things especially across borders and stuff that's it, just that sucks though because you you'd like to think that the three or four of them can get together they can really make a go of it you know three or four states or whatever can share together and even some of the overseas stuff you're talking about but yeah i guess the red tape is is pretty difficult that that really sucks we need to get this shit taken care of <laughs>
2: dropping the s <laughs> bomb.
0: Hey, any Updates, the schedule and preview for the Pearl River Poker Open and Anti Up Poker Tour series at Pearl, Resort, Pearl River Resort in Choctaw, Mississippi, October 26th, November 5th, has been posted at AnnieUpMagazine.com slash Pearl River. The 11-event series starts and ends with a 100 k guarantee uh, event, including an $800 buy-in main event that will put the winner on the cover of Annie Up Magazine and in the 2018 Annie Up World Championship. Features a couple of new interesting events, including one where winners have the option of taking double their winnings in non-negotiable table games chips.
2: Huh. Yeah, let me ask you about that real quick. Would you, would you do that, or you take the money?
0: Well, if they're non-negotiable, what does that what does that mean? So, it means you have to expend so it. What happens?
2: Let's say your your prize is five hundred dollars, right? Yeah. So you can either take five hundred dollars in cold hard cash, like you normally would, right? Or you can get a thousand dollars in non-negotiable chips. So what that means is you can't cash them in at any point, but you can play with them until they're exhausted. So you would take those thousand chips, you go down and sit the blackjack table, you keep playing with them until they lose. So generally, what you do with non-negotiable chips, um, which they, they don't really offer them as much as they used to in the old day, but I used to play them all the time with my coupons, right? Yeah. So the strategy there is that. Once you win – when you win a hand, let's say you put a $5 non-negotiable chip on the blackjack table, right? You win the hand. They give you a $5 real chip as your winnings, right? Gotcha, gotcha. So you don't put that back in. You hold on to that and you keep risking the non-negotiable chips until they're exhausted. And then once they're exhausted at that point, now you have your actual cash prize, all the real chips you have there. And obviously the idea now is, with the casino point of view, is now you're going to keep playing because you're having fun, right? And eventually you'll lose all those, maybe. But if you're disciplined, which I know you are, uh, the possibility, if you have a good run of blackjack or that, is that you could end up winning more money than if you lose that $500.
0: I'm going to use a football analogy and say I never take points off the board. (laughs) Exactly,
2: right? Yeah. Take the, you're right, it's taking the field goal off, right?
0: Yeah, don't take the field goal off to maybe possibly get a 35-yard touchdown pass on the next play. Just take the three points and kick off. So I'm taking the 500, and if I'm really a blackjack player or something like that and I'm decent at it, I can take that 500 and turn into the 1,000 that they would have given me anyway. So I, I don't want to risk yeah. oh. what I don't have.
2: The one wrinkle in your very interesting analogy there is that we're talking double here. So the, the analogy would be... Different if, hey, you took the three three points off the board, but you were going for a 14-point touchdown instead.
0: Well, it's double. Double three is only six. I mean, no, well, a touchdown is like, worth six versus the three. The, the
2: reason you take the three points off the board is because you're trying for the touchdown, right?
0: Yeah, which is six.
2: I'm hoping to get another field goal, because if you're going to get another field goal, then you might as well take the field goal. you're at.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, no. But, I mean, still, it's still only double you have you have to do a lot of winning to get back your thousand that they gave you
2: i don't know again blackjack is like you know if you play perfect strategy you know it's about a one or two percent house edge so if you've got a thousand non-negotiable chips which you get for that five hundred dollars that that you gave up you know there's still a reasonable assumption that you're going to get about that five hundred back if not more, and obviously you have a chance to get a good run and actually get more of it. So I, I think the fact that it's double makes it an interesting um, dilemma. Not a dilemma, but it, it, an interesting choice that you have to think about. If they gave you the same amount and they said, eh, we'll give you um, 50% more non good chips," then I'm taking the money all day long. But the fact that it's double, I think it, it's really a borderline decision, I think. Well, you should get the, you know, you're not a blackjack place, you don't really enjoy playing yeah, blackjack. Yeah. You yeah. like blackjack. Now you've just you've got yourself another two or three hours of gaming enjoyment for the day, right? With the chance of getting one.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not poo pooing the idea. I'm saying for me, I I can't. I don't play the other games. I don't gamble. I play poker, and I, I, if I suck that day, it's on me. If I'm good that day, it's on me. And the other stuff, if I suck, I put my numbers on red and black area of You know, I that's my fault, and I, and it's it's not the house's fault. It's never the other person's fault. It's always I'm making mistakes and guessing and. Same with blackjack. I mean, yeah, perfect strategy, but I'm not, I mean, I know the Martingale system if I want to keep doubling it, and I know that crap, but I don't know how to play perfect strategy. I play. I know, I know some of the things from watching movies and videos and talking to people, but I would take my 500 and run. That's what I would do. Uh, PokerRadius.com is a great poker networking site that is home to the Annie Up group discussions. Basic memberships are free, and you get access to the Annie Up group discussions, and upgraded memberships get you access to discounts on poker products and automatic entries to contests. Each week, we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at Up and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This week's prize is a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars. It specializes in poker odds and math at poker911.net. Dean Ratcliffe says, Hey guys, quick etiquette question for you here. Is it poor form to use small denomination chips to post blinds when you have larger ones available? I was playing in a self-dealt Bar League tournament the other night. My stack was 85K that consisted of 15 5,000 chips and 10 1,000 chips. No denominations were in play at this point. I was in a small blind which was ten K and I put out all of my remaining one thousand chips as the blind. Dealer admonished me for poor etiquette saying that I should use big chips first. Was I in the wrong? No. No. Yes. He was. Yes he was. No, he wasn't. I have an
2: apology to make for make to Dean here because I, I admonished him as well and apparently we're gonna have a good discussion here <laughs> since you don't think we're gonna <laughs> have you etiquette Do whatever you there. want. But uh but I was thinking about this yesterday during the PLO 8 tournament because I did exactly what I told him not to do. There is a, it was 5,000, 10,000 blinds at that point, and I put out 10,000, uh, 10, 1,000 chips. And when I did it, I started giggling. I'm like, oh, man, I just told Dean that this is bad. He should do it here. I'm doing it. And, and my, my reasoning for doing it was it's a pot limit tournament, and um, it was easier for me to count my stack by keeping the bigger denomination chips in my stack. Versus having a lot of chips there, and and because it, it's hard to keep them in stacks at twenties when you have wasn't like I had twenty five, you know. So, so but so there are reasons where I, I I guess it makes sense. So, but but no, I'm surprised that you you generally don't think this is poor etiquette because I think this is terrible etiquette.
0: What's the difference? It's just it's long, It's just a stack of chips in front of you that the dealer has no, to it handle. Slows the
2: game now? Why it's,
0: it's a stack yeah. of ten.
2: No, it slows the game down. No, it doesn't. And It absolutely does. So what? What I told him I do is when I see players um, uh, consistently doing this, and it you know burns my toast, um, I start trying to buy them up from them. So that way, I'm holding on to them, so they're not in play, and they don't have to slow the game down as they're stacking them and counting them. And and then it, it just it really slows the game down. So if you have you know in this situation, he had. He could have put two red chips out there and been done with it. But no, instead he puts 10 chips out and the dealer's got to slow down and count, make sure it's correct. Um, and it just it slows things down.
0: If the blinds in his case apparently were, what, 10, 20 now at this point, why are there still 1,000 chips out there? Well, that's a good point too. But so I, it goes back to the dealer. the turn, Dealers and the tournament directors for not coloring them up if there's well, there no might reason.
2: Been, but, yeah. but yeah, you're right.
0: You know. I mean, yeah, you could make a 27,000 chip bet if you want. That's what slows the game down. You know what slows the game down, Scott? When we're playing online and you have to bet 19 with a nine in it and stack up all the <laughs> chips and everyone's like, what the what? And no, just bet in round denominations. But hey, if those chips equal 10 and that's what you want to put out, put them out. It, who cares? It's not, I mean, I don't think it's bad etiquette. I think you may hate it, but he's still putting out 10 grand like he's supposed to. It's just white not
2: chips. Like- it's poor etiquette, so, Dean, you should not do that, except if you're Scott and a pillow eight. <laughs> it's
0: not poor etiquette. <laughs> All right, now, this is going to take a while, this coming up here, so I'm getting ready to this take my This is interesting. Nap. This is interesting. I know, I did say it is interesting, you know, freaking Moby Dick was interesting, but I'm not going to read it on air. Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at, at com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo director of poker, Elliot Checkter, tell you how he would have ruled. Our good buddy Vic G says, I'd be curious if Elliot has ever been called to a tournament table where he was able to identify chip dumping. What were the circumstances and what penalty, if any, did he assess? Chip dumping is discussed a lot, but does it ever happen... Is it ever caught by a floor person, and is it ever penalized? What about other forms of collusion? What's Elliot's real-life experience dealing with it as a tournament director? Well, we've seen it on Tilt, the TV show, so. Oh, there we go, yes.
2: With the the Toro. What was his name, El Toro? Uh,
0: Yeah, Toro. I can't remember.
2: Stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, this question came out of the, the TDA discussion we had about trying to prevent collusion. And, um, and I thought it was an interesting question because he's right. We do talk about chip dumping all the time, but we don't see it happen all the time. And My argument was that that's the reason you have the rule is to discourage people. So right. not, it's not because it's happening. It's just to discourage people from trying it. But, right. but anyway, Elliot is uh, not as brief as I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Ellie says, chip dumping is now much harder to detect since the universal implementation of the all cards must show when action is complete rule. Players will now bet almost all their stacks by the river and then fold their cards unseen to move most of their chips to their friend's stack. It is harder to detect, then you must be willing to look at folded cards to make these determinations. I have looked at my fair share of folded hands to make sure that play is on the square. If the players in question protest aggressively. I openly explain that the play of the hand and the result look rather extraordinary. It's my job to investigate this as a tournament director. And in order to protect the integrity of the tournament, uh, I possess necessary latitude in these spots. But the only time I've run into collusion as a full person is the side action of a major tournament series at a single table satellite. This particular satellite was 10 players, single table with two players each getting seats in residual cash. In a spot like this, you can see how if two players players know how to play as a team, they can reliably be two of the last three players in any of these single tables. This is a very high EV spot for tournament sheets. Every so often, they will hit the jackpot and snag both of the available seats. When they win one seat, they get the, that seat at about a 40% discount. Two seats for 10 players, five players' entries fund each seat, so two entries should be roughly two-fifths of the main event buying. If they win both seats, they now have two main event entries at an 80% discount each. In the single table satellite I was referring to at the beginning, the pair of teams, uh, the pair of team players was playing a not unimpressive version of push pull that you might see in high low games with players that were aware of their opponents. Push means betting into your opponent so they raises the field out. Pull means betting into the field and letting the raiser trap the field and their chips into the pot. Uh, the better usually doesn't three bet here to avoid letting opponents out of the trap. Having seen this pair play it all the way to the hilt during one satellite, just barely missing out on, on both seats, they then entered the very next satellite they could get into. Neither of these players tried to disguise their knowledge of the other when they were away from the table. At the table, different story. I'm Bob. Nice to meet you. You sure do play fast. Go easy on the rest of us. Yada, yada, yada. Sheesh. A pole hand came up with a player who bent into the field, got two callers, and the other player raised. And the better and the other players just called. On the river, the original better bet into the field again, something uncommon enough in standard play. One player called, and the Razor from the previous betting round folded. I was at the table and had the dealer hand me the folded card to the Razor, who promptly went white as a ghost. I didn't reveal the contents of the hand, but it's pure air, not the kind of hand that can raise three players on the turn. A few hands later, they proceeded to put the push play on. One of the pair bent into the other in the field, folded, promptly folded by the original better folding too. Once again, I had the dealer hand me the cards that they each attempted to discard. The better folder had a real hand, set of trips if I recall, and the razor winner had air yet again. To the rest of the players, I passed it off as having to check the decks for Marks as been requested by the tournament drake. I did stop the clock and quickly check each deck to make a good show of it. I then went behind each player and gave them the signal for having been, been detected, a poke in the back below the shoulder blades, then running that finger up to the spine, to the back of the player's neck. One of the two knew the signal and gave a quick nod. The other player didn't know the significance of the spine swipe. Uh, He just walked around uh, to behind the dealer box until he realized we needed to chat as soon as possible. Away from the table, I informed them that their action was no longer welcome. Neither of them would be allowed to register for any tournaments, nor would they be able to play in any cash games. I wrote a full report and submitted to the manager in case these guys wanted to protest or talk to gaming agents, but they quickly moved on rather than playing the part of disgruntled players being discriminated against.
0: Wow, that part about the spine—I never knew about that because I never cheated. No, so I don't cheat, so I wouldn't know about it. But i never knew about that. See,
2: you learn new things by listening to Andy up, Don't you?
0: <laughs> wow, that's crazy. And that's—I tell you what— even even having him describe it, it's still—it's hard to catch. He's pretty smart.
2: Yeah, exactly. So now I'm worried if you know if like a fan comes up and then taps me on the shoulder. I'm, oh, hey, I'm not cheating.
0: <laughs> I'm not doing anything wrong. Hands up. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, we're still doing our tournament right along with O'Malley. Uh, we're going to refresh our memories from Episode 3 and then give you our thoughts. Here we go. Hello again.
1: I've got to fold here. We still are plenty deep with 47 big blinds. As he tosses his cards into the muck, the jack of clubs flutters. Interesting. Maybe we were ahead. It's still round two. We've got 47.50 in chips, and a few hands later, in the big blind, we pick up pocket fours. There are two limpers. The small blind completes, and we check and see a flop of 7-7 deuce rainbow. The small blind checks, and we lead out into the 400-unit pot for 300. An MP calls, but everybody else folds. This player has a stack of about 2,000 units. She's been in a lot of hands, but hasn't shown any cards, calling her stack all the way down to one-third of her starting stack. Based on conversation at the table, we can gather that she is a regular in the room. The pot is 1,000 units, and the turn is an offsuit king. What's the move here? Uh, we have to keep betting.
2: Uh, I might do the same bet, maybe 500. If we're raise, we're done. Uh, but she's low on ships now. I can't call really any bet without a hand now.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll bet 600 and see what happens. Here we go. Hello again.
1: We're still going to err on the side of pot control. We check. Our opponent immediately shoves her stack in, and we're resigned to fold. Two rounds later, our table breaks, and we're seated on the button at our new table with ten big blinds. We fold two hands, and on the third, it's folded to us in the hijack with the queen of hearts, ten of hearts. So, are we taking a stand here, or waiting for a better spot? What's the move? It's time for the advancedpokertraining.com
2: hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And Paul Rolston from South America is back with us, Chris. Nice. He always regals us with big words, so we'll see what happens here. <laughs> uh, it's my regular Thursday night uh, single rebuy re-entry tournament. Uh, it's 500 Rubles? Reals? I forget what the <laughs> I don't know. He always does this to me, so I don't know. Uh, but anyhow he uh, he translated into dollars for us. But uh fifteen K starting stack, small field, uh, twenty-five players. Um and uh so let's see, uh, <laughs> he says it's thirteen to one is the translation, so um I guess it doesn't really matter. <laughs> we'll just use the amount as we have. Uh we're in the third level, uh one fifty three hundred uh, rebuy reentry uh, up to the break at the three hundred six hundred level. No one in this hand has taken an extra stack yet, so we got another probably level two okay. before you can re. Right. Or you cannot re-enter me. I should say. I'm in seat ten. The button is in seat two. Uh, apparently, it's on us, and we have King Jack offsuit.
0: And no one has entered the pot yet. Uh, nope. Uh. All right. Let's see, we're in seat ten. Button seat too, so we're we're the cutoff. No, we're the hijack, right? Yeah, hijack, yeah, hijack, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess like I mean, if I'm gonna play the hand, I'm gonna play it for a raise. A lot of times, I won't even play this hand. Um, but it's I guess it's folding around enough that I'm I'm probably strong enough, so I'll probably play it for a raise. Whatever, what we say was the so maybe nine hundred or a thousand. I don't know what we have for a stack, so.
2: Uh Yeah, we started at 15K, so, I mean, it's... If we're all level. average
0: stacks, so then if it's yeah. like for all 15, then you have no problem with putting in a nice little 900, 1,000 raise here.
2: Yeah, once again, I do not like playing King Jack, so
0: yeah, I'm going to fold and wait from another spot. Yeah. So. I-, I wanted to, too. I mean, I- I- like I said, if I'm reading the books, you know, if you-, if you pull the books out, I think King Jack at this position with all those folders is probably something that people, they- people would raise with, so... Yeah, I'm not it's really true. a big fan of this rookie hand. They call it the rookie hand for a reason. Um, but uh, if I did play it, I'm going to play for a raise. I'm not just going to limp with it. Exactly. I agree. I'm poor. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> All right. Our hero raises the the standard raise to 750. He says, I know it's a trap hand, et cetera, et cetera, but it's early. My range is wide, and I'm opening quite a few pots because that's how I do. So with that extra information, that makes more sense to me. But uh, I'm not opening a lot of pots, and my range is not wide, so –
0: yeah, the two exactly. and a half X, too. I, I mean, I don't mind that because that was – you kind of like that, too. Wasn't that like the whole Jonathan oh, yeah. Little Yeah, Jonathan Little. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, all right, so seat one in the button fold, small blind calls, and the middle position player calls. Um, he says the small blind is Ivan. He's a solid – a good, solid, strong player, a nice guy who only agreed to friend me on Facebook if I never tagged him in a post <laughs> or broke his balls since I am by definition not safe for work. And his mother's easily offended. True story. <laughs> <laughs> mid position, Ricky, a young wizard. Uh, the flop is Jack9-3-Rainbow, and it checks to us.
0: All right, the one question I do have is the middle position call. So there, was there a limper yeah, so then?
2: A lim- yeah, it must have been a limper. But All right, so then, else- I'm,
0: then I'm not happy with the 2.5 raise either, by the way. Cause yeah, we, that's just a we might as well. Retroactively limper. talk about it, yeah. Uh, but I like that flop for us. I mean, it's rainbow. Yeah, there's two straight cards there. If somebody somehow has queen 10 or 10-8 or something. But really, you know, the next card could give somebody a straight, but we're, it's a pretty clean flop for us. And you know, we got second best kicker with it. So, uh, Much like, happier but, with a
2: jack than a king.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, we had two callers, so that's uh, 2250. So we're like probably 2300 in the pot. I don't know. I'd probably bet – am probably about a half pot now, maybe. Yeah. Maybe two-thirds. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not really worried about a draw, so I don't really feel like I need to bet too much. Maybe half the pot. So, I do Yeah, know, half the on my
2: way. anyhow. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, our hero bets 1850 and he says, uh, Ivy, without too much thought, makes it 5000 to go when the other player folds." So, it's back onto us. Now, he says, uh, I now take a new information – uh, I know this player. I played with him a lot, and I have at least one clear memory of him flat-calling a raise in a C-bet with ace-ace so, so he could take my stack and the stack of another the player they let into the hand with a flat call when he caught a set. and I fired into him on each street. In other words, my feeling is when Ivy has it, Ivy will try to let me hang myself.
0: Okay, well, some, when I hear those things, sometimes you wonder if it's just misdirection. You know what I mean? I mean why tell me that why don't you tell me that brief you know what I mean brief free the flop and all that stuff. Um but this is a good example of why you fold King Jack because if you're up against players who like to just smooth call with you with bigger hands, you know, even Queens now have you beat. Um You know if he's if he if this guy that he's playing against had the same stack that we think they all had was around fifteen grand. He just bet thirty percent of his stack, even more now because he put up seven fifty if he started with like fifteen or fourteen grand. That's a big amount of your stack. I know that, but there are rebuys allowed too. That's the thing, and no one's taking it yet. Right. Uh, So we bet eighteen fifty, and he makes it five k pretty quickly. That's, you know, I don't know. I mean, Ace Jack could be out there too. You know, two pair could be out there because it. I don't know that. I don't like to go broke. I feel like I'm not gonna just call. I feel like if I'm gonna do something with this, I can rebuy too, and I'm gonna shove. Um if I am the person that rebuys. I don't know if Paul rebuys in his thing, but if he does, if he's like, you know what, I'm ready to, to gamble. This goes back to your little question we had earlier about how do you play in the when there's a rebuy available, you know. Um, I don't know. I I know that this guy tends to do that, and I'm going to take it from Paul that, you know, I don't think he does it every single time this guy has a big hand. I don't think he slow plays every single time in hopes that you happen to have... Hit top pair that's under his pair, and so this guy could have a hand, and it could be better than ours. um Jeez, I don't like to go broke with just one pair. I gotta tell you, and I don't think I'm just gonna call here. I don't think I would just call because I, if I've already put in eighteen fifty and seventeen seven fifty, you know, I've got twenty six hundred in into this pot already. I just can't just call three grand and hope he doesn't bet out into me later or whatever. I I think I'm gonna either shove or fold yeah. uh, I'm going to flip a coin and I'm going to because Paul said that to me I'm going to shove because I think that the, he's trying to misdirect me me think that he has kings, queens, or aces and doesn't really have that and I, I'm going to shove here but normally I might just lay that hand down because I'm not real confident in my kicker or just one pair
2: yeah I think this situation comes down to whether you're comfortable rebuying or not if, right. you, if you're not buying uh, 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 no intention to you got to fold here I think yeah um, but if you came here and you said, "Hey, I've got a rebuy in my pocket. And I'm going to use it." I think this is a situation where we have to shove because it sounds like this guy is making a move on us. Yeah. And if we're wrong, unless he's got a set, you know, we've got out, um to, to beat him. So um, I, I, I think I have to shove here because I'm going to rebuy. It's a rebuy event, so I'm going to rebuy. So yeah. I'm going. To, but if you're not, then I think you have to fold. I don't think you, you're right. Calling seems really weird at this point, and. Um, so it's a pretty big bet, a pretty big raise on um, that we, we're facing here with a stack that's probably not big enough to make it. So,
0: um, because if he had a set or top two, what's the point of raising? Is he just hoping that we're superly really aggressive and we're just going to, exactly. you know, yeah?
2: So that make sense.
0: So the only thing I'm really afraid of then is is like Ace Jack, and he's protecting his hand or something. But even that, I. I just feel like this raise is out of character. Yeah, for,
2: Ace Jack wouldn't make that raise either, right? Yeah, right. So, so yeah, uh, everything
0: to us having this right. I mean,
2: maybe nine Trey would make that raise, and but he's what in you've the big. ball the raise
0: preflop. That's the
2: thing. Two, exactly. So yeah. So at this point, I, I think we are ahead. Yeah, um, let's um, shove. All right. Um, all right. So he says, in the small blind, I might. I worry he might have Jack Nine or Ace Jack and skunked in the hand from the small. But why raise me? Why not? Let me hang myself as he's done before. He knows I will. And I'm up on the starting stack because I've been in a lot of pots. I've uh, won quite a few small hands without showdowns, so no one really knows if I'm full of what Chris said earlier in the show. It's not safe for work. Uh, <laughs> or running hot uh, tonight for once. Um, you know, it was really funny watching CNN this week with uh, the Moochie stuff and watching them, like, say, to- ble- <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's, it's ridiculous, right? It's a comedy show. Oh, um, all right, so- um <laughs> uh, if it was someone uh from the A, some from the B at that point. Oh I could it. it was some it was some from the A, some from the B at that point, so why raise me if he has me beat with two pair or a set or the one bigger kicker? And hey, it's rebuy period, so if I'm totally wrong, I'm not all the way out the door. I figure my Jack King was actually good, so after a relatively long tank for me, maybe a minute, I repop him to nine and a half thousand. And he calls relatively quickly. Weird. That Term, is weird. It's a six rainbow, so it's a Jack, nine, Trey, six, and he checks to us again.
0: Well, I mean, even if we're up a little bit from the 15, we've put nine and, and put basically ten grand into this pot. We Not only have five ready, or right? so. I mean, what are you going to do? You're gonna, Well,
2: I, either that or his stack is almost all the way in. Yeah, so.
0: exactly. One of you is either all, almost all the way in anyway, and you can't, I mean, I guess you could check to try to save your five grand when it's only... One fifty three hundred. but if you check and then he bets, then what do you do? So you might as well just shove now it's the rebuy period right I mean I can't yeah. stand checking i don't I mean checking behind leaves you twelve big blinds, something like that i mean I, I just don't see the point.
2: Well, so we've already decided we had the best hand here, so why do we want to give him another free card to, yeah. the beat could have anything he could have jack I mean right now I'm putting him on a weaker jack than us, right, so yeah. you know maybe maybe that six did help him. Um, but if not, if we check here and he's got jack five, a five could come on the river and then we're sunk.
0: I don't see the or, point of the the basically min raise though, when leaving five behind. Why not I just shove? Yeah, well, that's true, too. You know, but, but, okay, that's, again, that's my thoughts. I don't know
2: the exact uh, stacks here either. All right, so, right. Uh, But All right. Um, our hero says, I figure if I was good before, I'm still good, and I don't want to let him catch up. So I ship the baby for my remaining 9.3K. Oh, wow. Uh he tanks, tanks, and armor personnel carriers and <laughs> finally calls me with Jack eight off. Exactly. Look at that. We all figured it out. Yep. Um he groans and admits he thought I was full of that same word that Chris said earlier in the show that we're not gonna <laughs> We can say uh, that
0: our- now. They say it on TV. We can say oh, that now. word on our show that's been around for ten years and we're all adults. It's one word.
2: Oh man. So he said that word uh, when I repopped him, him, uh, read my tank as super weak and thought my ship was trying to be a missed board. Uh, the table surprised, figured we were both stronger than the showdown revealed. Consensus was we both overplayed our hands. I'm not sure about that. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but that ignores the read I was making based on playing Ivy for years and having the history of how he plays and how uh, his of how I play factoring into our choices. Overplayed or information rich, that is the question. Uh, for the for your information I had 70, 77k at the break went all the way to the last 3 where I flat called a race uh, from the D with ace, ace and the small blind got the big blind to also call with the flat and check race to the D all in on a 9 high board and only to have him turn over ace 9 and turn a 9 poker is a tough another word that we can't say on a family show <laughs> oh jeez.
0: well um, I, I I think the King Jack played it pretty well I don't, I don't know about the min race thing but
2: yeah, yeah, we had we had some questions about betting at some point, but other than that, I think uh, our hero played it uh, quite well, actually, yeah. um, for for playing a king jack hand from the beginning of it. But um, and you know, really, I don't think the other player. I mean, I guess when we repopped his raise on the was it the turn or the flop?
0: Right. Uh, oh yeah, no, of, we repopped it on the flop because we bet eighteen, then he bet five, then we repopped him.
2: At that point, I think he has to wonder because that's what you do at that point. He he thought we were um, just c-betting and he was going to take advantage of it. And then when we re-raised, at that point, he had to jack. So at that point, you have to call. Hopefully, you hit your kicker on the next card and, and then take, take your opponent's stack. But we he didn't hit his kicker on that next point. So he checked, obviously, the way the white flag, but then he didn't weigh the white flag. I, I don't, the white flag back up.
0: And I don't agree with you there either. I think that when we re-popped him again, we're telling him we can beat a good hand, and if he only has Jack with an eight kicker, we're not repopping him with Jack seven or with tens. We're repopping him with a hand that beats Jack eight. He should have gotten out of it. He got his information. Oh, I understand we we that. Were, but yeah,
2: we, but we probably—I don't think it was a hand that was necessarily stronger than what we had. So his kicker was still right. But you want to risk? Kicker just been good.
0: You want to risk uh, half your stack on hoping to hit your three outer on the turn?
2: Uh, I, I, I mean, think. yeah. I mean, again, I guess it, you have to decide what what. What you're up against at that point but at that point it's not just it, it's an applied odds thing at that point for me because i at that point if i have jack eight here and i know that eight comes on the turn i'm getting that whole stack now right
0: mm.
2: if yeah, i put them on a, yeah, i, guess I mean i put them on a jack which i did so
0: that's a hard call for me to make they're hoping to turn a hand that's better than his and even then i still don't know if two pairs beating them you could have a set of nines that's yeah, just that to me that's that's not right.
2: Part of the risk involved in it. Yeah. I mean, the
0: rebuy but, is the whole thing. The insurance policy emboldens us when you know you can just rebuy and start over. But,
2: well, and embolden our opponent, too. Yeah, so. exactly.
0: So that, that could be there, too. Oof. No thanks. <laughs> you know that. All right. Well, uh, good luck in the heads up, and we can't wait to hear about it next week. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Lock. We'll see you in the tape.
1: Anti Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com contact the show at podcast at antiappmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiappmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.